It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Destination Draft Day right here on the Landry Football Network. Nick Durst joined by the best in the business, or at least he'll be one day, Michael Rockman. Michael, we got some college football coming up this weekend. So it's we actually had some last last week, which was which was interesting. But we're getting a, a, a start of a slate of a schedule here, and it's going to be the, the beginning of the path to the draft. Yeah, very exciting, very enticing stuff. And, you know, the very first game that we got to watch, Austin PA versus Central Arkansas, we got to see a pretty good game, surprisingly. I didn't, you know, I wasn't sitting on my couch screaming at every play, but it did come down to the wire. It was very intense. Uh, Great start to the season, even if people weren't as interested in it as they may be. Some of the SEC games, Big 12 games, maybe just any of the FBS games. It was still a, a nice kickoff to what should be a exciting yeah. yet very weird season of college yeah, football. Yeah, uh, we'll certainly get into that soon. But the other big news here, which is going to impact the draft, is as of this morning, and it started last night, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going for it. They're going into total tank mode, making some moves, and – they definitely don't believe in Gardner Minshew like we do. They're looking to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it seems like Jacksonville is really just trying to clear out any players that they don't think are a good piece going forward. And Leonard Fournette is a very talented running back, and I think he's going to find a new team very quickly. But it's going to be very interesting to see how the Jaguars go about this season. I don't think that they're just going to you know, try to go in 16, try to just secure Trevor Lawrence. But at the same time, this team doesn't seem to be at the same level as some of these other teams that are going to at least get five wins. So they're definitely in the lower tier of teams, and we'll see what happens. I mean, last year everyone was saying Miami Dolphins, worst team in the league easily. They're trying to tank on purpose. They want that number one pick. And, I mean, Flores put this team together. He had a lot better play to end the season, and they finished off 5-11. and 11. I don't see the same fate for the Jaguars. I don't think Doug Marone is as good a coach as Flores. I don't think their offense has the uh, star power as much. I mean, Chark is pretty good, but I don't think there's 
I don't think there's overall going to be many guys having these big games that will help them get out of some of these games. So we'll see what happens. Potentially, yeah, I know, I know, they, and I know they aren't gonna, terrible. But what you know, Fournette from when he was like a sophomore, maybe even a freshman, was like the most can't-miss running back prospect in years, right? I mean, everybody loved him, uh, you know, with LSU. And to just see him get – just see him get released – and it's not like he hasn't been productive, Michael. He's actually been really good in his career. To just see him get released, it was really surprising. And I'm interested to see where he ends up. Maybe uh, with your New England Patriots? Could that be a, could that be a fit there at all? T- filling in for a, a Garrett Blunt role? Yeah, I would not mind having Leonard Fournette on the offense. I think he's very talented, very uh good scheme fit for what the Patriots love to do. They kind of love that old-style back, and I think Fournette, is very similar to that type where more of a north and south guy. He can he can move east and west a little bit, but he's mostly, you know, gonna plow up the middle, nice bruiser type, and I think that's a good fit for what the Patriots want to do. But rumors are that they love Damian Harris, so we'll see what happens. Uh I think the running back position, running back field overall is very tough to find a job right now, but I, I, I trust that Fournette will find one somewhere, whether it's, you know, a quick spot that somehow has an ACL tear early or something, or whether he goes to somewhere like Washington, Chicago, where they haven't had the run production that maybe they would need. I would like to see him with Saquon Barkley. I mean, that would be pretty dynamic, but I don't think it's going to happen. And just to, to see that, you know, we're talking the Patriots. we got to talk about their quarterback situation because – now there's some rumors coming out that maybe Jared Stidham actually will end up starting week one. I don't know if you heard that, but what was your your you know where would you compare him with this year's current draft class of quarterbacks that just got drafted? Do you think well, he's where would he, where did he rank and what do you think you you, you look, what are you looking at for him in, in, in this year if he actually does play? So for Stidham, he was interesting enough. That year that he came out, I had five guys that I really felt like could be a potential franchise quarterback, and he was one of them. I really, you know, have uh, have a lot of issues with Stidham's game, especially at Auburn. He had a he had some struggles with pressure that you know you really need to develop on as a QB, especially when you're not as mobile. You need to be able to take that and really deal with it to where you're being more efficient. And Stidham had that issue at Auburn where, you know, the offensive line was consistently struggling during his his final year there, and he fell apart. I mean, there were Auburn fans ready to just bench him and move on to the next guy. And so while I think Stidham has some potential, he still needs to grow in that department, and I'm sure that's going to be an issue. It sounds like Cam Newton has now started to run away with the job, but it was a lot closer than a lot of people wanted to think. It wasn't just, oh, Cam's here, he's the automatic starter. The Patriots were willing to let them compete, let them both uh, fight for the job. Stidham had some injuries that kind of sidelined him for a bit, and it sounds like Cam Newton has kind of ran away with it. But Stidham is going to be around for a bit, and I don't think that he is done as a Patriot. I don't think this is the last we'll hear of him potentially becoming the starter of the team. We just got to see how he develops and how he continues to grow. Absolutely, and please remember to invite all of your friends to join us right here on Twitch TV and for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today from high school.
college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to free agency, from pregame to postgame, film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. AndrewFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining us. And please help spread the word. You can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. So let's get into it. We know we briefly mentioned it, but first game of the season on Saturday, Michael, what are you most looking forward to when you sit in front of your television on Saturday afternoon? You know, I think one of the things that I'm really looking forward to seeing is just how this season is going to be handled. And we may not see it in terms of how we watch on game day on Saturdays, but at the same time, we're going to be seeing a lot of crazy things happen that, you know, in terms of operation, in terms of, you know, zero crowds, it's it's going to be very hectic to see, very chaotic in a sense in terms of seasons. And you'd think with less people, it would mean there's less chaos. But I think just how they handle this, how they're testing, how they're trying to keep all these players safe, it seems as though a couple of players test positive and everything's going to break loose for a team. They're going to have to postpone their game, forfeit their game, who knows. And it's just going to really put this season under a lot of watchful eyes just to, you know, try to be cautious as most cautious as possible. And it it's really tough to judge on how it's going to work out. It's kind of just up in the air, really kind of questionable to see, but I'm hoping for the best. Anyone who loves college football definitely would love to see it happen. It's just the question of should it happen? And none of us fans that don't have much medical background, much scientific background really know what the best plan of action is. Yeah, I think one place that's really interested in, in this season is CBS because with the SEC not having fans in attendance, their ratings are going to go way up because – Take out 100,000 people out of a stadium. You would think some of them watching on TV. Of course, some of them are probably just crazy <laughs> drunk fans that go to the school. But, you know, the ratings are going to go up, and it's, it's going to be all eyes on, on the players on TV. And it's going to be interesting to see, like you mentioned, how these players are going to react with no fans. Uh, you know, you can't forget, you know, a number of years ago when, when Auburn – uh, beat Alabama on the on the return on the miss the missed field goal. So you know that was that was something special. And think of a moment like that without fans. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. And like you mentioned, a lot of players. It seems like people have been testing positive every day, and it's it's just a matter of seeing like how are they going to contain that if a whole team breaks out, they just forfeit and get eliminated. Then you have to worry about the revenue shares and whatnot. Uh, so it, it, you got to keep an eye on that. But, of course, Michael, there has been some notable opt-outs who decided not to play for the season. Yeah, and it's going to be very interesting. Like you mentioned, there's new numbers every day coming from campuses, coming from teams themselves. We saw Alabama test about 1,000 positive students on campus when they have about 38,000 in total. So it's going to be very Crazy for the players to try to stay safe during this time. Hopefully how the programs are being ran with consistent testing 
with continuous monitoring of their players. Hopefully we can see a safe college football season for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. And there is still going to be a lot of uh, questions in the air as far as as who is going to be able to really finish the season. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And there are players who have, have opted out. And I think that list is still going to keep growing, especially if you see a team breaking out, other players on their team might decide to not play. I think uh, Jamar Chase, though, with LSU, is probably the the biggest opt-out. Uh, the Lutnikoff winner, he he's opting out of the season. Of course, LSU lost a lot already from their offense, and I think they're only – ranked sixth in the, in the AP poll for preseason, which is the lowest of all time for the defending champ. But, of course, Ohio State's ahead of them, but they're not playing, so they'll move up. But, you know, Chase had 20 touchdowns, and probably even without playing, he's going to be the top wide receiver taken in the 2021 draft. Yeah, and looking at the notable opt-outs for the season, there are plenty of great players that we are going to be missing out on this college football season. Kenneth Gainwell is the first guy we'll touch on, running back out of Memphis. While you maybe don't know him in terms of college football stardom, he is an absolute monster. He is completely dominant in this Memphis scheme, and I think maybe a little bit of benefit from working with that Memphis offense that generally produces great running back talent, but he is very skilled, very dominant. He's about 5'10". And he creates plays for Memphis. He is able to get downfield very well. And I think anyone who is looking for a running back on day two, early day three, is going to get a guy like Gainwell, and they'll be very happy. At wide receiver, we have Jamar Chase. And we talked about a little bit how LSU is losing so many weapons, so many key producers for this offense. Chase is arguably the most productive wide receiver on the team. And losing him when you're already losing Justin Jefferson, when you're already losing Thad Moss, when you're already losing Joe Burrow, when you're already losing Clyde Edwards-Alaire, it's just a nonstop avalanche of losing players for LSU and now losing their star wide receiver when they already lost, I think it was 80% of their offensive production last season is going to be tough to overcome LSU, Miles Brennan. I look forward to seeing what you guys can do, but this is a tough draw to have to overall just kind of replace everything that we have seen from your offense. Going forward, we have Rondale Moore out of Purdue, very talented wide receiver, excellent playmaker. He's probably one of the most interesting opt-outs of the season because this guy didn't play last season more than three games. He got injured against TCU and we hadn't really gotten to see how much he had grown as a player. And now we lose him again because he's deciding to just prepare for the NFL draft. What we see from this is, you know, obviously there's a great stock here with Rondell Moore, but the question is, you know, if you have a guy that you haven't seen for two seasons, are you going to be optimistic about how much they'll grow as a player? Or are you going to be kind of hesitant to really gamble on someone that you haven't got to see develop year to year? And a lot of teams, I think, are going to be on very different ends of this, you know, dilemma. 
someone that maybe is a little bit more conservative in their scouting style may kind of pass on a guy like Rondell Moore because they don't want to take that risk. Whereas someone who, you know, is more ready to go boom or bust may value Rondell Moore to where he's the first wide receiver off the board. It's going to be a very weird draft season. It's going to be almost impossible to mock. It won't stop me. I'm still going to be dropping mocks every week, every time I can, but it's going to be very hectic. When's your, when's your first mock coming out? Uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be coming soon. I've tried to make some, and I feel like, I don't know, I just find myself kind of doubting it after the end. And I know it's probably never going to be perfect no matter what I do, but I always just kind of like go halfway through the first round, and then I'm like, eh, I'll just do this a different time because I don't like it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough right now. Do you, I mean, you, you think your you think your mock's going to be heavily impacted based on on the opt outs? Oh, I think for sure. It's one of those things where you have to try to assume what teams are thinking more than ever. There's less uh, film on some of these guys, and while you know, there's a lot of questions that can be had about how they fit in scheme wise and everything else. Now it becomes, oh, well, would a team really go for a guy that's not been seen this season, not been seen in two years? And it's gonna be it's gonna be very tough to really gauge that. And I think we'll find that even some of these teams that don't draft these guys maybe would have been willing to, and it's just they didn't love them overall as a prospect. Yeah, and uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll let you finish the list, but we have a great question here from from Joe. So well, you can answer this, I guess, after your list. But I guess from your list here, whose draft stock is hurt the most from not playing? Whose draft stock rises by not having to play the extra games? So let's kind of, I guess, let you finish your list here, and then you can answer that question. I got you. I'll answer that real quick. I think the person who probably had their stock hurt most in this regard is, I mean, most likely, I would say it kind of falls on Caleb Fairley. And I think he's a talented cornerback. And I think he's established himself as a good name. But the cornerback class as a whole has kind of not met expectations to this point. So if we see like two, three guys really elevate their game this season, I think they're going to go over fairly and it's going to hurt his stock and push him down further and further as other players rise. And I think it's kind of just what happens in this game. And, you know, you have a cornerback who's taking a year off. You're kind of, expecting them to have a lot of rough ends so you know whether it's in private workouts or whether it's when he first shows up to camp I expect some struggles for him just kind of shaking off the rust for sure but it's still going to push his stock down and I think as we see some of these superstars rise in college football we're going to see a lot of these guys kind of take a little bit of hit to their stock and it just kind of happens whenever you don't get to watch them every week. You can easily find yourself getting colder on them than you probably should. So moving on in the list, we got Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. I think he's very talented. We talked about him and Rondell last week, both very good receivers out of the big 10. And we sadly won't be getting to see them. Even if the big 10 does decide to come back this season at offensive tackle, we have Jalen Mayfield. He was very talented, very athletic, but really we needed to see Mayfield's game grow more, I think. And watching him this season would have been huge for evaluators to kind of decide whether they think he's taking that next step as a prospect in order to be comfortable to draft him, you know, 
potentially as high as top 10, I think. And now it's kind of just an assumption based on workouts. And I think he's very athletic, so that's going to help him. But we don't really get to see how much he's grown as a tackle. And I think a lot of people, when investing in offensive line and protection for their quarterback, they want to know what they're investing in. And if you don't get to see him for a whole year, it does hurt. Next, we have Jalen Twyman, defensive lineman out of Pittsburgh. He has really developed very well for this Pittsburgh program. Obviously, a program that has some very nice history with guys like Aaron Donald coming out. But I think Twyman is a great defensive tackle for whoever decides to get him. 3-4 defensive end, 4-3 defensive tackle type guy. I think when you look at how well he did last year with that Pittsburgh defense. Guys like Pat Narduzzi really just develop great defensive players, and Jalen Twyman is just another example of that. At edge, we have Gregory Rousseau, another guy that would have probably been loved to be seen this season because you look at his overall build, his overall frame, and that's one of his biggest issues is can he bulk up and really use that strength to keep his athleticism? And – I guess he's just going to have to show up to the combine with some weight put on and still test very well athletically. But Rousseau is a guy that most likely is held on to that edge one spot and will keep it. We're going to see what happens come draft season, come combine season. We'll see whether this guy has really developed his body to where scouts want to see him be. Micah Parsons is another great player that has opted out overall probably a generational linebacker. I think he's someone that kind of isn't really going to hurt his stock by opting out. He's established himself as a dominant player. He's well-known across NFL teams. He probably would have been a top 10 pick last year, even though he was younger and maybe hadn't been as talked about, but that's just kind of how it works with draft prospects. When once they're eligible, they start to get the rumors talked about him. Michael Parsons, I think is going to be, at the worst, a top 10 pick. If he falls out of that, then I don't know. It's very surprising to me because he's a surefire dominant player. Whether you put him at the mic, put him at will, put him anywhere, and he's going to find success. At corner, we got Caleb Fairley, and we talked about it a little bit. His stock probably hurts a bit because the cornerback class as a whole right now has not met expectations. So once guys start to play better, start to rise, we could see his stock start to fall a little bit. Whether it's deserved or not, we'll have to see. But it is going to be an interesting case watching where his stock goes throughout the season. And then I put a question mark for this last spot. It's because I think we're going to see more. Whether it's before the season happens or whether it's midseason, we see a guy say, all right, you know, I feel like I proved myself enough and I still don't trust how this thing's being ran. I'm going to opt out and I trust my teammates. I love my teammates, but I'm going to, you know, finish off the rest of the season preparing for the draft. I don't want to risk anything and potentially take myself out further than I would be at the next level. And it's going to be interesting to gauge just how teams react to this because, you know, actions like opting out midseason generally are frowned upon for injuries. So whenever there's a pandemic going on and there's concerns about that, it really just kind of becomes – you know, our scouts going to look at this in a grumpy way where they're like, oh, he doesn't love his team. He's not a team first type player. Or is this going to be a situation where we kind of understand it and we 
just look at the talent and we assume that they're going to be good teammates going forward regardless. Hopefully it's the latter, but we'll see. It's going to be very interesting to see how these prospects handle themselves throughout the year. Obviously they need to be responsible, but at the same time, the students need to step up their game and be responsible as well. I've seen Snapchats and tweets from all over the universities, all over the country. And there's a lot of parties going on and hopefully it's just for first week wanting to see your friends again, but we got to be safer as a country. If we really want these college football players to be able to play, I understand it's not all about football, but you know, I want to watch football this year. And I I think a lot of you guys do too. Yeah. And of course, you know, these guys are opting out, but no, some of these players actually didn't even have the opportunity to opt out with their conferences opting out with Mayfield and Parsons. And, you know, another guy that I thought I was really going to want to keep an eye on, and he's opted out, not because he wants to, but that would be Wisconsin's Nakia Watson. I thought he would be going to be in store for a big season replacing Jonathan Taylor. We discussed how Wisconsin really just churns out those running backs, no problem at all. Melvin Gordon as well went there. Uh, but he would, uh, he, he could still be, a, a I, I think maybe you consider him a deep sleeper perhaps in, in the upcoming draft, but the running back position, Michael, because no one's going to really see him play, but is there any other, any other running backs that you, uh, definitely want to keep an eye on moving forward for the 2021 draft? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of sleeper running backs that maybe haven't been talked about as much as they should. And I have five right here, sleeper running backs for the 2021 NFL Draft. I wish I could talk about it, how the QBs I talked about, you know, whoever is a sleeper QB probably goes up round one. But the NFL has become so overfilled at the running back position that even these guys that raise their draft stock maybe aren't going to be going first round and potentially could go third round, second round, maybe even day three. So we'll see. At number five, I have Malcolm Davidson. I think he's someone that hasn't really been talked about as much as he should be. He's very stout, 5'10", 205 pounds. He has a very thick lower base in his running, but he works that to have great contact balance and still works efficiently, whether it's running outside, running inside. I really love his patience and his vision when it comes to running. I think he works his way very well through the through the tackles. Very good north and south runner, but he he doesn't have to just burst through a hole that's right there for him and just make a like five yard gain. He'll he'll wait a little bit. It's not as much patience as you know a Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell type, but he's he's very good at just you know taking his time to process the reads and make a play based on that. At number four, I have Chris Curry, redshirt sophomore out of LSU. We talk about how LSU has lost so many key pieces to this offense. And now if you watch Chris Curry last season or just LSU last season, you've probably seen how talented he is. And with how many pieces are gone off this offense, I think he's going to be a key piece in them trying to compete for the SEC again. Whether or not he actually holds on to the job, I think is the biggest question mark because they have some very talented runners in this room at LSU being a major program will do that to you. But I think he shows some great physicality in his running ability. He has some great playmaking ability, and I really am excited to see Chris Curry lining up for the Tigers this season. 
At number three, I have Kylan Hill. Kylan Hill is 5'11", 210 pounds. And I think he has some of the more well-rounded ability that we've seen. Overall, he was a star for Mississippi State last season. Had a great year, thirteen hundred over 1,300 yards. Had 10 touchdowns. Caught 18 passes as well. Kylan Hill, you know, one of the biggest things about him is just we've already seen him kind of step up as a leader this offseason, and he's he's always going to produce on the field, it seems like, whether it's averaging five and a half yards per carry or whether it's just his continuous production uh, in the past game. And I know he only had 18 catches, but I think he's a little bit better of a receiver than his stats show. So it's going to be very fun to watch see him grow as a Mississippi State player, see him grow as a running back. And I think with another great season, we could see him go as early as round two. My next guy is Keontae Ingram. And I know a lot of guys are kind of questioning Keontae. Standing six foot, 235 pounds, he already shows that the frame is there. Now, he shares the backfield with Roshan Johnson. And there's more guys coming into Texas by the minute, it seems. But... I think Keontae has proven himself as a great back. Ran for about 5.9 yards per carry last season, and he had seven touchdowns. The frame shows off well, but I think the athleticism surprises people. Being that big, you wouldn't expect him to be able to make plays as well as he does. Caught 29 passes last season, so he's a very good receiver out of the backfield. Texas is going to need some players that can help out on this offense, really needs a star guy. And I want to see them rely on Keontae Ingram because I think he could be an excellent player for this team and really establish the Longhorns path back to being a great program. And, you know, if you if you want to be a great program, you need a great run game. Even last year with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, LSU had it. Obviously, you want the pass game, but you need the run game as well. And I think Keontae Ingram and Roshan Johnson can be a big part of that. Now my number one Texas Texas being a top team again is is long overdue. I mean, it, it's ever since Colt McCoy left left the campus, it's it's been tough for them. And yeah, I don't know. It's maybe they should have got rid of Mac Brown. Who knows? Mac Brown built up UNC and the Tar Heels, but you know, football is better when when Texas Texas is really good. It just it, it builds a lot more intrigue because you know. Oklahoma has gotten in, you know, the, the, t- the title picture, but it's always more intriguing when Texas is good because you know, like, if, if Texas is undefeated or, or close to being undefeated, one loss, they're likely to get in over, you know, a Big Ten team or perhaps even a second SEC team just because of their, their audience that they draw in. Yeah, and I think – when you look at Texas, they have a lot of great players on this team. The question is, can Sam Ellinger really make that next step? Can Tom Herman bring the team to that next level that is really needed for both of these guys? Stepping up is really the key piece to becoming a legit contender. And we'll see what happens. I'm not you know, a big believer in Ellinger, but if you're asking me last season if I think LSU is going to win the championship, I'm saying, well... I don't know if they're that good. If you're asking me two seasons ago, you know, hey, or not two, three seasons ago, hey, do you think Baker Mayfield's going to work up to a first-round pick? I'm going to say, well, I don't think he's going to get up to a first round, but maybe he'll have a good year, get up third, second round. So 
you know, anyone can come out of nowhere. And I think Ellinger is kind of that classic guy where it's like, oh, he's being viewed as a day three pick. And he could potentially rise up to where he finds himself as the, you know, rising quarterback. I'm not betting on it, but I'm also telling people, like, you know, don't be surprised if it does happen. Because even though I'm not a big fan of his overall game, I think there's still potential there. So for my number one running back, I have Rakeem Boyd. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of weakness on my side, but I just love when guys are able to produce when their offensive line cannot and Arkansas's offensive line is not very great dealing with L- our SEC defenses. It's hard to be a productive offensive line, and Arkansas struggles to be one. And Rakeem Boyd, regardless, averaged over six yards a carry, put up 1,133 yards, eight touchdowns, and has a pretty good ability in the receiving game as well. One of my best takeaways of Rakeem Boyd was just his playmaking ability and how well he could – break into that next gear in order to make the deep runs happen. I love Rakeem Boyd. He's going to be high on my boards. I'm almost confident that he's going to be one of the best running backs this season. And I'm telling people, watch out for him. He is a stud. Like, no no dancing around it. I know that in terms of other running backs, there are some very talented guys in this class. But at the same time, Rakeem Boyd, is a great back that will establish his name this season and become one of the stars of this draft. Whether he goes in the first round or not, I think he's going to be a guy that gets looked at later on and they're like, oh, yeah, he was a pretty good pick. And I'm telling you, if your team is the one to get him, congratulations. He's a stud. Now we have some comments from the comment section. Do a barrel roll asks, I feel like it has to be Rondell Moore. Or Jalen Mayfield. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's talking about for guys that had their stock hurt. Jalen Mayfield, super young, raw player that could benefit from putting up more film and demonstrating better technique. And then Rondell Moore, limited film since 2018. These are guys that are definitely going to have some question marks when it comes to what their stock is for the season. Rondell Moore, as we talked about, kind of never got to establish himself past his freshman year. And that's going to be a question mark in terms of where he lies in team views. But I think at the same time, it could entice teams. If he comes out, puts up a great combine, we've seen a year of film and maybe, you know, it's like a Josh Allen thing where we really kind of sell ourselves more on the potential than the product at that time. And I think we could see teams kind of go in that direction. A lot of scouts seem to be more optimistic on betting on themselves, which is a good way to be. If you trust yourself as a scout, you trust yourself as a coaching staff to develop these players. And that's fine. You know, it, it's probably best to bet on guys that you really think can be stars, even if maybe they aren't there yet. And then Jalen Mayfield's another guy. He is going to be similar to the Colton Miller and Ezra Cleveland's of the draft, where they kind of come in with a lot of athleticism, a lot of enticing traits, but their overall gameplay still needs a lot of growth in terms of refinement. And I think that we're going to see Mayfield drop a little bit in terms of draft stock just because we didn't get to see him play. We didn't get to see him grow. And that's kind of what these scouts really try to base these project type players on. How'd they do their first year? How much did they improve their second year? How much did they improve their third year? We aren't getting that third year with Jalen Mayfield and it's going to take a hit on his stock, whether 
it's deserved or not, we'll have to see when he comes out his rookie season. And we got some other comments. Glock Lesnar, glad to see Kylan Hill up there. Of course, you mentioned him last week. I went and checked him out. I'm a big fan, really like his overall game, and I think he could be a great running back at the next level. I'm excited to see how he does for Mississippi State this season. I don't think their team overall is going to be dominant, but I think Kylan Hill will be. And Glock Lesnar letting us know, I think he's going to test very well. I'm excited to see it. You know, this combine is also going to be very interesting. If this COVID stuff is still hanging around, what's going to happen at the combine? Is everyone going to be six feet apart? Are they going to do like a little virtual combine where everyone just comes in on like a live stream from their university or what? But it's going to be just a weird year for the draft, for football, with everything going on and this pandemic still at large. Nick, uh, you have got to see Saquon Barkley be the Giants running back. Obviously having a great run game and having a guy at the running back position who can really set the tone is huge. While the Giants, you know, maybe aren't there yet in terms of winning games, Barkley definitely doesn't hurt that at all. How crucial is it to have a great running game for your team? Well, the Giants won two Super Bowls with a pass rush and running backs. Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs, a very dynamic duo there. Jacobs, I don't think we've seen a player like him since since he's been drafted, that big big guy who could just literally run everybody over. And running is key, especially when you have a quarterback who is still unproven. So you definitely want to see something. You want to hope the Giants – or, or any case with the young quarterback that they go with the play action because that helps the quarterback a lot. And for some reason, it seems like a lot of the league has gone away from play action and gone to straight shotgun. And I think that actually hurts running backs a lot they're, when they're getting a handoff from the shotgun. I always prefer a, a handoff under center or a pitch. I think that really helps them a lot. But running backs are key. But as you mentioned, you, you said before, oh, maybe one of these guys rises up the board. Probably not. I mean – Malcolm Davidson could go around six and be the best running back out of all of these guys next year, just because that's how the NFL sees running backs these days. Yep. And, you know, I don't think it's uh, a statement on, oh, these running backs don't matter or, oh, these running backs, you know, they just aren't as good anymore. I think it's just the fact that there's so many great running backs out there that the position has become oversaturated and we have seen it now with great running backs having to split the backfield just because there's so much talent out there. Even someone like Joe Mixon, who's arguably a, a probably easily a top 10 running back in the NFL is now, you know, splitting the backfield with Giovanni Bernard, or we saw it with Aaron Jones, who's probably top 10 in the NFL as well is getting his replacement pretty much drafted with AJ Dillon. So it's really going to be a lot of similar situations. And I think, while we are going to see a lot of running backs kind of have to split the backfield, I think at the same time we're going to see a lot more dependence on rookie running backs in terms of, you know, hey, why are we going to pay this guy $10 million a year when we can just draft someone in round three and he's going to do pretty well for us as well. So the way the NFL is trending, not a lot of respect for the second contract, third contract of these running backs, but hopefully – we get to see some changes. It's fun to have great backs, but I'd love to see these players get the respect they deserve. 
I know we got some running back fans in the comment section. Keep the comments coming all show. We love interacting with you guys. We love basing our conversation and show talk off of what you guys have to say. Talk about Keontae Ingram coming from Texas, and we talked about Texas as well. This Big 12 is going to be very interesting to watch this season, and I think there are some top players that not a lot of people may know about. So here are my top players at each position in the Big 12. We already talked about Skylar Thompson last week. Pocket presence, ability to handle pressure is top-notch. And it's one of the most important traits for a QB to be successful. Skylar Thompson does that so well at Kansas State. Again, the production is not there yet, but I am really loving this guy's film. Every time I turn it on, I just find myself so impressed with this guy's ability and capabilities as a passer. I think with a great season, he could potentially rise up as high as quarterback too. And I understand Trey Lance, Justin Fields, are incredible quarterback prospects, but we see it all the time where these QB prospects rise up boards and they become the QB one. I don't trust Trevor Lawrence to let go of that position this year, but someone's going to come up for QB two. And I don't think it's going to be Lance. I don't think it's going to be fields. I think someone's going to fly up boards and it's going to shock the nation and the draft community as a whole. Not, not draft Flynn, but we are on the air live here on the Landry football network. And the giants have signed Logan Ryan. So good, good signing by them. And that's it's a good time to remind you that for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the insights from players, coaches, teams, and schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football, and you can listen to this podcast on the mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big fan of that Logan Ryan signing. I think the Giants losing DeAndre Baker, whether you put Logan Ryan on the outside or in the slot, he's going to be able to contribute. He's a very versatile defensive back, and I think you could even see him play some free safety if needed. This guy is a do-it-all defensive player. He's a great coverage guy, and I think the Giants really need some help in that secondary. It's a great get. Yeah, Glock Lesnar, big fan of this solid veteran for the Giants, but he still worries about the defense the whole. Yeah, the Giants' defense is a mess, but we shall see. The jury is still out, and I'm using jury as a pun because Joe Judge is in town, and it's, I think he's the most interesting first-year coach to keep an eye on. You kind of know what you're getting out of everybody else. You know, Matt Rule's in full control. That's going to be interesting, but Joe Judge coming from Belichick's branch and those coaches haven't really done a good job on their own and it's interesting to see a special teams coach the last time you know usually special teams coaches don't get get a chance to be hired as a head coach but it always seems to work out look at Tom Coughlin look at Harbaugh with the Ravens so that's something to certainly keep an eye on Uh, they were even like I think Judge was having the cornerbacks um, in the scrimmages have on tennis balls on their hands because he didn't want them yeah, picking off or doing contacts. That was interesting. And, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe some of these guys on this list might end up might end up being Giants next year. <laughs> yeah, and continuing on with the list, we have Chuba Hubbard at running back. I think he was obviously one of the stars of college football last year. Some votes for Heisman, some great playmaking ability. 
Oklahoma State has some very high ceiling players on this team, whether it's Hubbard, whether it's Tylen Wallace, whether it's Spencer Sanders, or even you know their tight end Jelani Woods could potentially make a name for themselves and become a great prospect. Woods less likely of anyone because they just don't use tight ends like a lot of programs do. But I do think that these guys have so much potential on their offense. Gundy is a, you know, very established, good coach, but I don't think he's ever taken that next step into great head coach with a big year from Oklahoma state, potentially winning the big 12 would put Gundy into that great category. And if you were to make playoffs, potentially win playoffs, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's possible, but we'll see. I think Gundy could establish himself as yeah, one of the I mean, greats of college football. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned last show, big fan of Gundy, and this could be the season where OSU breaks through and and gets in the in the title picture. Especially when you're again eliminating the Pac-12 and eliminating the Big Ten, maybe there's an opportunity there for a second Big Twelve team. Yeah, and you know we talked about Tylen Wallace. He got injured last year, in for a big season. Always wanted to produce very well a strong wide receiver for Oklahoma State, going to be the main target of Spencer Sanders this year. I'm excited to see him return. At tight end, we have Charlie Kolar. I think the big question about the tight end position this year is who's going to step up as that you know, really established, well-rounded tight end. I think Charlie Kolar has some very nice traits. He's very big. He stands 6'6". He already is a big production piece of that uh, passing offense, we got to see him more as a blocker, see what all he can do as a total package piece at tight end. But I'm excited to see him. I think he could potentially become tight end one if he does prove himself as strongly as some people seem to have said. At offensive line, Creed Humphrey probably would have been a first-round pick last year. Excellent center, interior player, can pull extremely well. Whether he lands late first or early first, I think he's going to be a key piece in terms of trying to grow your offensive line, trying to protect whether your quarterback or established run game, having a guy like Creed Humphrey is going to be huge. We've seen it with guys like Quentin Nelson. You establish your inside of the line with these key pieces, and you are going to find your team just producing so much better. And Creed Humphrey is one of those guys that comes in and your offensive line improves day one. Even if you have him at center, and I know rookie centers tend to struggle, I trust Creed Humphrey to be – a talented player enough to where we see him succeed immediately in the NFL at defensive line. We have Darius stills, a lot of hype coming out of this, you know, West Virginia defense. A lot of people love stills and we're going to see how good he can be this season. Some questions still left on film. I think, I think uh, a lot of people, whenever they see these undersized defensive tackles that really produce, they want to say, Oh, Aaron Donald, he's not Donald, at least not yet, but Another big year out of him, and I think he's going to be hard to deny as an NFL player. And, you know, right now he's probably sitting in that late first round, early second in terms of draft stock. We're going to have to see how he establishes his name, how he develops his game this season. And if he does so well, he could potentially be top half of the first. But, you know, there's still questions on his size no matter what he does in the NFL uh, or in in this season. People are still going to have questions about his overall frame and whether it can translate to the NFL. On the edge, I have Ronnie Perkins. I was a big fan watching him. I think I first saw him when he was going against Josh Jones, and he did a really good job of getting Jones off balance, and he got a sack on Jones as well. A lot of people 
maybe haven't heard of Ronnie Perkins. He had some suspensions that took him out of some of the bigger games for Oklahoma. But this guy is a very talented edge rusher. Obviously, with the suspension issues, you know, maybe some off-field problems that will hurt his stock a bit. But I think in terms of how weak this edge class is, guys like Ronnie Perkins need to step up to really elevate their draft stock and elevate the position as a whole. As a whole. At linebacker, I have Joseph Asai. If you know me, you know I love Joseph Asai. I think he's one of the premier hybrid players that can play linebacker, that can play edge this year. I think a lot of people watch at the college football level and maybe they don't realize just how impressive it is to be a star at two positions when you're able to play linebacker, able to play edge. When you offer that versatility, defenses and defensive coaches alike are going to love that. You know, you look at how many teams have incorporated these hybrid edge type guys into their team, whether it's just the same position where you're kind of more of a linebacker, but you can drop down and blitz or whether it's, you know, playing a big three, four, where you have a guy that's dropping into shallow coverage or rushing the passer off the edge. And I think Osai is perfect for no matter where you put him. Even if you were to put him at somewhere like Mike, I think he could find a way to establish himself as a great player in the NFL. At cornerback, we have Trey Norwood. Now, Trey Norwood had a fantastic freshman year, then got hurt last season. I think this cornerback position, like I talked about with Caleb Fairley, there's just a lot of people that are kind of question marks, and Trey Norwood is another one. If he comes out and has a great year, he could easily be cornerback one. But we just have to see how he establishes himself as a player, as a prospect. He stands about six foot, 190 pounds, so maybe you'd want to see a little bit more weight on there, a little bit more to his frame. But after a strong freshman year that we got to see out of him, I'm excited to see Trey Norwood in year three. Hopefully he's grown as a player, and hopefully, most of all, he can stay healthy. And then at safety, we have Caden Stearns out of Texas, another key piece of this Texas defense that I think has some high potential. Whether we get to see a great Texas defense and overall great Texas team, or whether it's just a great Texas defense, we're going to see some great plays out of Caden Stearns, one of the most well-rounded safeties. Watching Brandon Jones last year, it was easy to just see this guy pop off the screen. Now, the Big 12 has an excellent amount of safeties coming out of this conference. You know, you look at TCU, there is um, um, blanking on the name, but there's Ardarius Washington for sure. And then the guy with two last names, I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. I'll try to look it up while I'm typing. But this team is just – Trayvon Morig Woodard is the guy's name. And I, I'm a big fan of all that the TCU secondary can do. Even hybrid guys that are kind of linebacker safety like Garrett Wallow could potentially rise up in their draft stock. So look out for the Big 12 when it comes to safety play this year because they have a lot of key pieces that will be coming into this draft. Now, we see UA Titans says, big fan of Ronnie Perkins. Not sure if he declares this year since I think he's still suspended a few games, but I think he has a lot of tools that he can build upon. Yeah, Perkins, I think he one of the best, one of the best things that I liked about Perkins was just he had these moments where you saw him really dominate a game and I think overall he has a really nice frame and he has a thick build for his frame 
Because whenever I first saw him on film, I was thinking, oh, this guy's 260 at least. I think he stands around 245. So, you know, whether whether he continues to play at 245 or whether he, you know, drops a little weight and then has an even leaner build, it'll be interesting to see. But I think he's a very talented edge rusher. And if he can get a more consistent game, he could be a star of this class. Nick, uh, obviously with the Big 12 this season, there's a lot of great players, a lot of great teams. Uh, do you think that Oklahoma is just the favorite right away, or do you think that there's some teams that maybe could potentially come in and surprise? You're muted right now. I don't know if you if you know that. Every year with the, with the Big 12, you know, as of late, it's just been Oklahoma – I, I really I don't know I don't know what to expect from Oklahoma this year. What what do you what do you think about about their their quarterback? I mean, what a run they've had as of late. Baker Mayfield, Heisman, Kyler Murray, Heisman, Jalen Hurts, Heisman finalist. It's going to come down to that. Texas, I really like Texas, but you know, as you mentioned earlier, with the quarterback position, you know, that's a little bit of a question mark. OSU, I, I think they're to compete. Uh, TCU, we mentioned loaded safety position, but I do think, unfortunately, it's it's Oklahoma's uh, conference to lose. Although, of course, Baylor is definitely going to be putting up a ton of points each game. Yeah, I I think Spencer Rattler's in for a big season. Oklahoma has a great team. I think if I were to pick another team to contend, it would probably have to be either betting all my marbles on Skylar Thompson and K State, or someone like Oklahoma State, where they have a few stars at all these positions. But if Texas can establish that offense, really get it going entirely, they definitely have a chance. I'm I'm still a believer in Herman. I think you got to establish this offense a little more, kind of develop it to where you're not depending on Sam Ellinger to be your powerful running back or anything. You got to really trust him as a passer. There's still a lot of questions surrounding a lot of teams in the Big 12 but it does seem like Oklahoma is far and away the favorite. We're going to have to see, though. I, you know, As I say, with each year of college football, there's always going to be chaos, and the Big 12 is not prone to it, and neither is Oklahoma. Yeah, every year there's teams that seem to you know, rise back to prominence. So, I mean, the team that I come to mind is Miami a few years ago, the, the defensive chain. And, you know, then they kind of temper off and coaching change and whatnot. So it's just to see what team is going to really be that team this year. Last year we had Minnesota, who had a nice little run. So, you know, one of these Big 12 schools or, you know, I guess really just the Big 12 or ACC school are going to be in the in the conversation undefeated for, you know, the first eight games or so and, as always, it comes down to end of season rivalry games and, of course, conference championships. Yeah, and if we do see this kind of free agency pool of just great players being able to transfer around because they don't want to wait until the spring to play, they want to play right away, whether it's someone like Justin Fields or someone like Trey Lance, if we see them transfer to a team like TCU, that automatically, I think, puts TCU in the conversation. Right now, their quarterback uh, – Dugan had an injury that has put him out of the game for a while. It seems to be something that potentially put him out for the season. If they were to bring in a star quarterback, they already have some great transfers in already from G5 
J.J. Spillman from Nebraska and some other key pieces to this team, if they bring in a star quarterback, I'm not going to doubt Gary Patterson's ability to potentially get there and become a playoff team and Big 12 contender. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly hard to learn a playbook in a week and a half, but if you're going to transfer and you want to play immediately, Big 12 is the place to go because it's really just get back there and shotgun and, and sling it. And I think a lot, a lot of players like that type of offense when they're trying to, to make an impact and make their name known when it comes to draft. 100%. And, Nick, it's been another great show. Uh, any any last takeaways from, from the episode for this college football season? Listen, everybody, we, we appreciate the live comments. Uh, we, we appreciate our fans continue to, to watch us on Twitch. We want to continue to grow the show. We want to be a show for you. So let us know what you want to talk about. We are happy to discuss whatever it is you want to do. If you're watching live right now on the Twitch, you see our handles on the bottom of the screen. Michael's at Mr. Underscore NFL Draft. I'm at Nick Underscore Durst. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We always are happy to read comments. We want to thank Clock Lesnar, who had another great show of commenting for us. We always appreciate Clock Lesnar. And, you know, we got the football season kicking off this week. And, you know, my only hope is that, you know, so I'm glad there's no Ohio State. And I just hope that Alabama is terrible. And I don't have to worry about seeing them winning a national championship. We got another comment. I would tell my friends about the show, but I have no social life. Hey, you know, we get it. Me and Nick, all we do, we just we just sit in the basement, watch film. That's all we do. And then we just make this show. We don't have any social life either. So, yeah, you don't have to tell your friends. You can tell strangers. No no worries, Glock Lesnar. On all these public forums, just, you know, until you get blocked from commenting, we just need you to promote our show like crazy. Again, you can watch our show at LandryFootball.com. Chris Landry, former scout in the NFL. Great opportunity here with this website. We're super thankful for him and super thankful for this opportunity. We look forward to improving the show week by week. Next week, uh, on Friday, or this week on Friday, we'll have more content coming for you. Uh, we'll have the top Pac-12 players from each position, and we'll have plenty of talking points to discuss. Nick, as always, it's a pleasure. Fans, as always, it's been great. We'll see you guys next Friday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.